The Trump campaign has spent a lot of time attacking Joe Biden for things that don't make any sense. So they'll attack Joe Biden for being too tough on crime. That was actually a line of attack for a while. Or they'll attack Joe Biden for formerly supporting the traditional definition of marriage. So that's like a terrible thing. And it just didn't make sense. It didn't have a great connection, I think, to the base. Finally, well, I don't know what's going on in the campaign, but they seem to have hit the right direction again. They are finally attacking Joe Biden and the Democrats broadly for something that makes sense. They're making the point, and this will be a central, if not the central theme of the campaign. Democrats are dangerous. Seattle's pledge to defund its police department by 50%, even including a proposal to remove 911 dispatchers from police control. So you can see this Joe kind of guy Biden trying to break in in the background. Old woman, older woman, a woman of a certain age trying to call the police. I'm sorry that there is no one here to answer your emergency call, but leave a message and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. You won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. That's the key. That's the message. That's the sort of thing people care about. Not these silly ancillary issues. The central message. How to protect your life. How to protect your livelihood. The Trump campaign, the right broadly, has lost the narrative over the past few months. Which it didn't make a lot of sense because the right has always been so good at seeing the problems with the left's message, messaging particularly very well on the internet where there's no gatekeepers. Well, finally, the right is taking back the memes of production. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. I got to thank our friends over at Wise Foods. As you probably know, our sponsor company, Wise Company, has changed their name to ReadyWise. Different name, same great product. Now is a better time than ever in my lifetime, I think, to be prepared with long-term nutritional food options. ReadyWise has a lot of options like emergency meals, freeze-dried fruits and vegetables for convenient on-the-go nutrition, new adventure meals for hiking, camping, and other outdoor activities. Not a lot of things to do these days other than go hiking and camping, so you can check that out too. Uh, get peace of mind during these uncertain times, knowing that your family is prepared with plenty of reliable nutritional meals that have a very, very long shelf life. They use the finest ingredients and latest food prep technology to ensure optimal taste and freshness. Meals are packed into durable, long-lasting pouches designed to keep food fresh for up to 25 years. That's pretty good to know, especially as things are so uncertain these days. I really like these guys a lot. I trust them. This week, my listeners can get free shipping at readywise.com when entering Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout or by calling 855-453-2945. Readywise has a 90-day, no questions asked, return policy, no risk in taking the initiative to get yourself and your family prepared today. That is R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E.com, promo code Knowles, to get free shipping. We're finally taking back the memes of production. Actually, the person who kind of even put this thought into my head yesterday, was not some rock-ribbed right-winger. The person who put this into my head was Elon Musk. Elon Musk, the spaceman, the Tesla man. He tweeted out, he's been tweeting out more provocative things in recent days, things that contradict the leftist narrative. So he tweeted out this image of Karl Marx, and it was like one of these quote meme images. It was Karl Marx on one side, and then it said, give me that for free. 
Hungry Santa, because Karl Marx looks kind of like Hungry Santa, and it's a Das Kapital in a nutshell. He summed up Marx's most famous book. If you've ever tried to read it, it's hard to call it his greatest work because it's absolutely unreadable, but it's considered, it's considered his, his greatest work. And then Elon tweeted out after this kind of joke, he tweeted out something that I think Republicans and conservatives should pay attention to. He tweeted out, quote, the left is losing the middle. And I think for a lot of us whose head is in politics all the time, you know, we're constantly reading what's going on on the internet and on Twitter and, and even cable news or something like that. It's, it's easy to forget that a lot of people don't spend all of their time thinking about politics. A lot of people do other things, right? They have lives outside of politics. And so there, this is why the left is so effective because the left controls all of the institutions, in particular, the media institutions. So if, if you're only spending, I don't know, 20 minutes a day hearing anything about politics, you're only going to hear the left left's message. You probably haven't heard the right's message, but the left is going so far in a radical direction that even people who are in the middle, who maybe are not paying a ton of attention, who don't have particularly strong ideological views one way or the other, they're beginning to notice, huh, even though I haven't been reading Politico all day, I know I don't want to be with the people tearing down George Washington statues. Even though, I don't know, I'm not totally paying attention, I don't want to be with the people burning down American cities or attacking different Americans or burning down federal courthouses right? The left is, in fact, losing the middle. Why are they losing the middle? No, I think what the Trump campaign and other Republicans have tried to do up until this point in the campaign is basically pander on left-wing issues. So they've gone after Joe Biden for being too tough on crime in 1994 because they think that's going to help them win the black vote, which to me, it's such obvious, transparent pandering. It's, that's not the right strategy. Or they'll go after Joe Biden because they'll say he wasn't pro-gay marriage early enough or something like that. And you just think that that's going to win over the middle. The middle doesn't care about that. The middle, who doesn't have a lot of time to pay attention to politics, just cares about basic things. Keep my family safe, support my country, be able to go to work, right? But simple things where the Republicans could be winning if they would just take the message there. And I think finally, that's what's beginning to happen with the Trump campaign and with others. The radicalism is not just at the national level, it's in every one of these Democrat cities. You know, uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot obviously is running one of the worst managed cities in all of America. They have huge problems there, in particular crime. I mean, parts of Chicago, it's like you're walking around downtown Fallujah sometimes. And so in the midst of all this, President Trump comes in and says, look, if you can't take care of your city, I'm going to send in the federal government to instill order because we're not going to permit an American city to be a war zone. And Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago, goes on CNN, doesn't say, thank you, federal government. Please help us. Doesn't admit that she's got a problem in her city. She goes on and she says she doesn't want the problem to get fixed. We can't just allow anyone to come into Chicago, play police in our streets, in our neighborhoods, when they don't know the first thing about our city. That's a recipe for disaster. And that's what you're seeing playing out in Portland on a nightly basis. We don't need that here. That is not a value add, and it doesn't help enhance our public safety. You do need that. It would be a value add it would help enhance your public safety. First of all, this idea that the, the federal agents are playing cop. No, I think they're, they've got a much more successful record at law enforcement than Lori Lightfoot does in Chicago. And by the way, the head of the police union in Chicago says that everything she just said is BS. And actually the head of the police union in Chicago is asking for the federal help. 
because the civil authority there, people like Lori Lightfoot and other Democrats that run other Democratic cities, are not enforcing the law enough. Forget Chicago. Look over at New York City. New York right now, shootings are up. They had 47 shootings last week. Not last month, not the last two months, not the last six months. 47 shootings last week. Do you know what what spike that is? That's a 176% spike compared to the same period last year. That's according to police sources in New York. Who are these people that got killed? One of them, 16-year-old, shot in the head and killed. 16-year-old kid, teenager. Another one, 18-year-old, shot in the head, actually survived, unbelievably, wonderfully, in critical condition though, because of the mayhem on the streets of New York. And what is that mayhem caused? Well, it's caused by not enforcing the law, undercutting the police, stoking a narrative that the police are racist, slaughtering innocent black men across the country, which is a lie, uh, encouraging people to go out and riot, locking people up, not letting them go to work for six months at a time. How long has it been now? It's been, what, four or five months at this point? And, And the argument for all of this Do you remember the argument for all of this from Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, who has handled this lockdown slash plague slash riot crisis worse than any governor in America? Do you know what his argument was for his draconian restrictions? His argument was, if it saves one life, if it saves just one life. This is about saving lives. And if everything we do saves just one life, I'll be happy. What if everything you do leads to 176% spike in shootings? Then, then it will not have been worth it, I assume. Who's going to be held responsible for that? For, forget even, I mean, moving past the shootings aspect of this, Andrew Cuomo's specific COVID policies killed thousands of senior citizens. Didn't save lives. Who's held responsible for that? The middle, the people who don't have a whole lot of time, who they only hear snippets from the mainstream media. That's what they want to hear about. They want to eat simple things, lives. Don't get too abstract. You don't need to get into, you know, lofty gender theory to win them over. Say that you're going to protect people. Meanwhile, what are Democrats doing? They're undercutting their argument even more. Now they're talking about defunding military recruitment. We will turn to our favorite socialist from Queens, really from Westchester County, but she says she's from Queens in the Bronx. But first I got to thank our friends over at Zip Recruiter. Zip Recruiter makes hiring so easy. Hire, you know, hiring can be very, very difficult. And uh, part of the reason for this is, you, you know, a lot of old uh, hiring boards, you just, it's basically like throwing spaghetti at the wall. You don't know how you're going to find somebody. ZipRecruiter's smart matching technology finds people with the right experience for your job. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. That is how HousingWire found Alexandra Roja. Alexandra never imagined she could get a reporter job in the midst of COVID-19 when hiring is frozen. And the idea of looking for a job was discouraging, so she created a profile on ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter matched Alexandra to HousingWire's reporter job because her degree and writing skills were a great fit for the role. HousingWire received her application only four hours after they posted the job. A few weeks later, Alexandra starts her dream career. ZipRecruiter helped Alexandra find the right job. They helped HousingWire find the right person for their role fast, and they can help you. See how ZipRecruiter can help you hire. Try it for free 
right now at ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. People dropping like flies around here. Bullets flying all over our streets, not just in Chicago, but also in New York, also in Portland, all over the place. Right? People are concerned about their safety. People are concerned about even outside of America, our adversaries aggressing on us. China seems to be doing that. And what does AOC say she wants to do? She wants to defund military recruitment. She's hiding this in a defense spending bill. This is a, an amendment to a defense spending bill. She wants to defund recruiting in schools. You know, when you're in high school and the military recruiter comes in, it's like a rite of passage if you happen to go to public school in America. She wants to get rid of that completely. She wants to bar the military from advertising or interacting with people on Twitch or any video game, esports, or live streaming platform. And this is the statement she, ha- she made about it. She put this out to defend her indefensible, egregious decision. Whether through recruitment stations in their lunchrooms or now through esports teams, children in low-income communities are persistently targeted for enlistment. The military can, for some, provide a rewarding career, but low-income Americans are not being given anywhere near the same information or access to trade schools, college, or other postgraduate opportunities. Now, listen, as she, she's saying they're not being given enough information, and that's why we need to take away the information that we're giving them about the military. The kids in these communities don't have good opportunities, so we need to take away one of the opportunities that they have. doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, even the language he uses. The military can, for some, provide a rewarding career. That's outrageous. It's, a, it's an extraordinarily rewarding career, and it's a career for which we are all grateful. We civilians are all very grateful because the military keeps us safe. You know, this was the one, the one, it used to be in America, the one aspect of American politics that was beyond partisan infighting was the military. You know, the Democrats would want to defund the military itself, pull, pull back defense spending. The Republicans would want to beef it up a little bit more. But that's a little different than what's happening here. What AOC is saying here is we actually need to stop people from joining the military. We need to minimize recruitment because it's bad for people. And the military preys on low-income people. Not the case, by the way. A lot of my family, a lot of my family has served in the military. And the the picture that that is painted by left-wing Democrats is simply not the case. This is a great thing to run on. You know, the... President Trump has, has uh, made this habit of campaigning on the American flag on the 4th of July. And would you believe it? The Democrats took the bait and now they oppose the American flag and the 4th of July and our founding fathers and apparently now even joining the military. Great thing. Great thing to run on. Great, great meme. Great thing to put out there. AOC, not just the military she wants to defund recruitment for. She also wants to defund the police. And This brings us back to the chaos happening on our streets because there's a political question here, which is who does this help? You know, some people seem to think that Trump is allowing the cities to burn down because it helps him politically. These are Democrat cities. It shows the effects of Democrat policies. That's what the Oakland mayor believes. The Oakland mayor, Libby Schaaf, told Oakland residents she thinks that the vandalism helps Trump. She said, vandalizing our downtown gives Donald Trump the images he wants and the justification he seeks to send federal troops into American cities. Do you think Donald Trump wants to send federal troops into American cities? Of course not. Of, are you insane? What, what does he gain from sending the federal troops in? First of all, if he did gain, don't you think he would have done it now months ago when all of this rioting began? 
It's been going on for two months. Wouldn't he have started it a little sooner if it helped him? It doesn't help him at all because all you need is one federal agent discharging one round from their gun and it's game over. You're going to hear this is Kent State all over again. This is a, a fascist attack on the people rising up and minorities and blah, 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 whatever nonsense the left is spouting. This is a terrible thing for President Trump. Now, there is a little bit of a political advantage to people being able to see a difference. They say, gosh, I don't want my city to, to look like that, like this Democrat-run city. But I'm not sure people even put two and two together on which party is managing those cities. In fact, the images only really help Trump if Trump can fix the problem. The images help Trump if Trump can effectively go in and and fix the mess that the Democrats have made. If, if Donald Trump can't do that, if, if, if Donald Trump just points over there and says, look at how all those cities are burning, reelect me to save America. That's not a compelling argument because people are going to look at him and say, why do I need to reelect you? You're the president now. Fix the problem now. This is Donald Trump's whole argument. The whole reason that people elected him is because he went and he said, I'm not a regular politician. I don't know all the stupid stuff that they always say. I'm not all talk, no action. I build things. I do things. I'm going to build this country back up and do things here. That's, that's what we like about the guy. He cuts through the BS. Well, if he can't get that done, then actually these scenes are going to hurt him. They've put him in a terrible position. I have a great deal of sympathy for him here, but that's the key. The Democrats are betting on President Trump not being able to fix this problem. And President Trump now looks like he's fixing it. The, the DHS, or the DOJ rather, has just announced the arrests that they've made around the country. They've arrested 236 people around the country and 238 defendants have been charged nationwide in quote, cases related to violent opportunists and civil unrest. Uh, this according to the DOJ spokesman, 24, or uh, 74 rather, people in Portland have been arrested, 60 of whom were charged with federal crimes for alleged acts that they committed against federal police or facilities. Huzzah, this is good, this is good. Because you look at these videos going around the country and you think all you want is for these people to be arrested. All you want is for these guys to face some consequences. And finally, this is pretty good at the federal level to be able to charge 230 some odd people. This is good. I call it a start because really you'd like to charge the 300, 400, 500, however many of these people are coming out and attacking people's businesses, federal property, people's, people's livelihoods, lives. People are dying in the streets, right? That's what you want. That's the message. Run on law and order. Run on fixing things. Run on keeping people safe. All the other nonsense, all the, the other Washington consultant BS where you're going to be able to seem like you're running to the left of Joe Biden on transgender rights or something. That's not it, man. That's not what is going to move people to the polls of, of any political view, frankly, in November. The stakes are too high here. It's not just that we, we feel like our, our safety is threatened from these roving, marauding gangs of vandals. We also think that our safety is threatened by this China virus that has taken over the world. And frankly, people think our livelihoods might be threatened by politicized science because there are treatments for the China virus that are now being suppressed, it seems, for political reasons. And on this exact point, there's a group of doctors that showed up yesterday to the Supreme Court in Washington. Uh, this was led by the Dr. Stella Emanuel. And she said that 
hydroxychloroquine, remember hydroxychloroquine, it was a treatment for coronavirus early on, is being suppressed for political reasons because President Trump is the orange man and the orange man is bad. And so you had, you saw a lot of evidence that hydroxychloroquine, particularly combined with a few other things, was working very well to treat coronavirus early on. Then you saw some science papers published, medical papers saying that hydroxychloroquine was actually killing people. It was so terrible. And then everyone stopped doing it because Trump touted it. Then you found out that those papers were retracted because they were trash. They were just politicized. And now this woman comes out and says, cut it out with the politics, help cure people, put the medicine first. I've taken care of over 350 patients, not lost one, not a diabetic, not a somebody with high blood pressure, not somebody with asthma, not an old person, We've not lost one patient. And on top of that, I've put myself, my staff, and many doctors that I know on hydroxychloroquine for prevention, because by the very mechanism of action, it works early and as a prophylaxis. We see patients, 10 to 15 COVID patients every day. We give them breathing treatments. We only wear surgical masks. None of us has gotten sick. It works. I'm upset. Why I'm upset is that I see people that cannot breathe. I see parents walk in. I see diabetics sit in my office knowing that this is a death sentence and they can't breathe. And I hug them and I tell them, it's going to be okay. You're going to leave. And we treat them and they leave. None has died. So if some fake science, some person sponsored by all these fake pharma companies comes out and say, oh, we've done studies and they found out that it doesn't work. I can tell you categorically it's fake science. How do you think the left responded to this woman and the whole group of people wearing white lab coats standing behind her? They said, I kid you not, they said that this was politicized science politicized science. What do you think you people have been doing for the past three months, four months, five months, however long this has been going on? It's unbelievable. They, the, the left says science is not political. Follow the science, follow the white lab coat. Listen to our white lab coats, even though they told you to do one thing. And then they told you to do the opposite of that thing the next day. Don't just listen to them, whatever they say. And so then all of a sudden, we point to some white lab coats and we say, well, what about those people? Those people are saying something else. They say, no, that's political. So only the leftist scientists, those are the only good ones. But the, apparently the, I, I don't even know what this woman's politics are, but let's just say she's conservative. The conservative scientists you're not allowed to listen to. So they try to discredit her. They do all the things that they accuse the right of having done for the past few months. They, and, and they try to discredit this woman in particular. But unfortunately, there is a bit of a scientific consensus behind what she's saying, including by very fancy people with very fancy titles who go to all the fancy schools that the left loves. Namely, just recently, just last week, a doctor and professor Harvey A. Reich, MD, PhD, professor of epidemiology at the Yale School of Public Health. This guy is the author of 300, over 300 peer-reviewed publications he holds senior positions on the editorial boards of several leading journals. This guy checks every single box of leftist expert scientist. Well, he wrote in an op-ed in Newsweek last week that the key to defeating coronavirus already exists. We need to start using it. It's called hydroxychloroquine. So he backs up exactly, exactly what this woman is saying. The left ignores it. The left doesn't want to hear about it because Trump touted hydroxychloroquine and hydroxychloroquine is simple and it might help and it might reopen the country. And the left doesn't want to reopen the country. Not yet. They don't want to. They want to reopen the country maybe on November 4th, day after the election day. 
It's the only explanation. There is nothing that the lockdowns could possibly do at this point for public health. Not a thing. The point of the lockdowns was to flatten the curve so that we didn't overwhelm the hospital system. Even at the peak of this, we never came anywhere close. There's no sign that we will. Then flatten the curve became find a cure. Well, we do have certain treatments that seem to work very well, but what about the vaccine? Even Dr. Fauci, even the exalted Dr. Fauci tells us the vaccine will be at best, what, 70% effective? And a lot of people won't get the vaccine anyway, so we won't get herd immunity. So we won't even be able to get the herd immunity if we were to lock down and wait for the vaccine. There is nothing left to do other than keep shooting ourselves in the foot and stay closed and destroy the economy and destroy the schooling system, which frankly, that part of it might be the silver lining in storm cloud, and wait until November and hope that we can get Joe Biden through the election. That's, that's the argument now, entirely political. Or we could listen to some of those doctors. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in listening to some doctors, but the, the, left, the left won't let us do it. Don't forget, public health experts are part politician and they're part scientist. That's why it's public health, right? Public health is having to do with politics. We can't ignore that there's a political dimension of this, but we can try to follow the science. I'll show you a little bit of science that I just ran into yesterday. I finally, I was going to break down and buy a mask because some, for some places they won't let you inside if you don't have a mask on. And I like to pick up my sushi sometimes. So I need a mask. So I'm looking around and I say, okay, fine. I'll buy the stupid mask. I'll get, I'll get one of them. I can pull it out and wear it when I go inside or something. So I, I'm looking at the products. You can, you can get these masks on Amazon. You can get them at Old Navy. You can get them at a ton, basically every clothing store now makes the masks. You can get them all over the internet. Then I see on every single one of them, a disclaimer. This mask is not intended for medical use and not proven to reduce the transmission of disease. This mask is not FDA approved, not intended for medical use and not proven to reduce the transmission of disease. This product makes no claim of antimicrobial protection, antiviral protection, particulate filtration, or infection prevention or reduction. Please note that these masks are not intended as a replacement for medical grade PPE and do not cure or prevent any diseases. That's a funny disclaimer to have on all of the masks, which we are told now the science has changed and the masks protect us. Uh, it doesn't sound like it from the disclaimers. Now you might say, well, Michael, it's because the, the government agencies just don't move fast enough to change the disclaimer. The government agency is the agency telling us to wear the stupid masks. So you'd think if they could move fast enough to issue this guidance, they could move fast enough to remove the disclaimer. But they don't remove the disclaimer because the science hasn't changed. Because as we, I read it on the show a few days ago, on the CDC website put up as recently as May, there are 14 clinical studies showing that the masks don't do bupkis. Very, very little do the masks do. And yet, and yet people are being told to buy all of them. And they're being told to buy all of them because it's a political symbol. Now, let's say though, let's say that you are more inclined to trust the, the experts, which fine, I totally understand. Uh, better safe than sorry. I, I don't think that's the, I don't think it's actually safer. And I, and I, and I, I do think the risk is pretty great, but let's say, okay, whatever, that's fine. It's just a mask. Who cares? What reason do I have to trust the public health experts? Look, the cases are surging, right? Aren't the cases surging? Maybe they are. Maybe they're surging. Maybe they're not because 600,000 people in just the last few weeks were just misdiagnosed with COVID. Actually, I'm sorry. Those 600,000 people were misdiagnosed in one day. 
We'll get to that in just one second. We will get to Major League Baseball and why I'm giving up on my Yankees after a lifetime of being a Yankee fan. We will get to a whole lot of stuff. But first, I've got to thank you. I've got to thank you for heading on over and subscribing to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel, not just the Daily Wire YouTube channel. Yeah, it's good to give Ben the, the views and the subscriptions, but frankly, even better in my opinion, head over to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. Thank you for ringing that bell, subscribing. Also, if you're not already a Daily Wire member, you should consider getting a reader's pass. One buck for your first month, three bucks a month after that, you get access to exclusive editorials. At, you get articles ad-free. You get uh, access to our mobile app. You get stuff by like the one and only Matt Walsh says, I looked up every case of an unarmed black man shot by cops in 2019. Here's the truth. The left is hiding. Go through every single one of those cases and a lot of other great stuff too. Sign up for just a buck. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. Six hundred thousand people misdiagnosed with coronavirus in the blink of an eye. Not even over the course of weeks, just very quickly. Tricare is the healthcare program of the U.S. Department of Defense Military Health System. They mistakenly told six hundred thousand people that they have the China virus, and they asked these COVID survivors to consider donating blood for research. 600,000 in the military with coronavirus, that doesn't make a lot of sense because the last number I saw is that 31,000 people affiliated with the U.S. military, so we're not even just talking about servicemen, people even affiliated with the military, have actually been diagnosed with the coronavirus. And this is uh, an, an order of magnitude and double that. So that's not good. But you might say, okay, Michael, look, that's just like some healthcare agency sent out a, full, a, a bad email, but uh, these things happen. People get mistaken emails. Well, what about in Florida? Because we're getting a lot of false positives. Two weeks ago, Florida State Health Department confirmed that some testing laboratories in the state have not been disclosing their negative test results. So this is skewing the positivity rate dramatically. I mean, this is, this is skewing it way, way up. And at least two labs were discovered to have inflated their positivity rates by a factor of 10. Then we got the story out of Texas, 3,300 people removed from the confirmed cases rolls. I've been getting just anecdotally uh, a number of people telling me I I showed up to get a test and then the test was never done because it was going to take two hours to wait. And so I left, I got a call that I was positive. That happened to a friend of mine in Los Angeles. Same thing with listeners to this show have written in, said this sort of thing has been happening to them. I am not a proponent of conspiracy theories. I am simply pointing out though, if you are not skeptical of what is coming from the public health establishment right now, then you're not paying any attention. If you are not skeptical of what you're hearing from the public health, oh, thank you public health experts establishment, then I've got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. You know, people as a result of this, are stuck inside and they're losing their minds. And one thing they're doing as they're stuck inside is they're playing video games. That's one thing that people do to pass the time. And Joe Rogan, the king of all podcasting, a very sharp guy, Joe Rogan doesn't like the video games. He says the video games are a waste of time. Joe Rogan is completely wrong about this. I cannot believe it. 
that I have got to defend video games, but I do. Take a listen to Joe's point. And video games are a real problem. They're a real problem. You know why? Because they're f***ing fun. Addictive. And you don't, yeah, well, I'm, I have a real problem with them. And you, you, you do them, and they're real exciting, but you don't get anywhere. Right. It's like you could do, like, like martial arts, right? You could learn jujitsu. You get obsessed by jujitsu, and then three years later, you're you're like an elite jujitsu athlete. You're like you're entering in competitions. You're a purple belt. You're moving up. Yeah, you're doing well. Right. You're thinking like I might be able to open my own school one day. You got confidence. Yeah, if I have a hundred students and those hundred students are paying me X amount of dollars per month, I can make a living. Holy shit! I can have a. This would be amazing. And then you see your jujitsu school, and your jujitsu instructor has all these students and drives a Mercedes, and he's got a nice family, and like that's the future. This is you're doing something exciting and fun and you don't or you could just be playing video games three years later You could be that same kid just playing video games waiting for the next this whatever the game is You know next Xbox game to come out and you're gonna waste your time So on the one level Joe is making an important point, which is don't waste your time doing fruitless things but the way he's making the point is totally wrong and it's and it's I think a lot of people kind of follow Joe's line of argument here, but you shouldn't because that's one of the, one of the problems that's ailing our society. Joe's point is that anything that cannot possibly make you money is a waste of your time. Even the way he talks about jujitsu, he says, yeah, look, jujitsu is great and you work on, and jujitsu is really great because then you can start a jujitsu school and make a lot of money from the students at the jujitsu school. That is for, I mean, I guess you could in jujitsu, but on Joe's point that anything that can't make you money is a waste of time, not only is that not true, but for the entire history of Western civilization, that has been considered the opposite of true. Actually, for the entirety of Western civilization, the things that make you money are considered relatively a waste of time compared to the higher things. What do I mean by that? Going back all the way to ancient Greece, the, the thing that man was built for was for leisure in a certain sense so that he could contemplate philosophy, so that he could contemplate the good, so that he could focus his mind not just on the things of this world, but on the things of the higher world. And then in Christianity, of course, this becomes extraordinarily clear, which is that your point in Christianity is not just to serve mammon and make a lot of money and build a lot of big buildings and that's it, it for its own sake. All of those things can be fine to do as long as they are ordered toward the higher things. Your ultimate goal is your salvation. Your ultimate goal is to contemplate God, to have the beatific vision, to, to work on the things of the spirit. That is what you've got to do. Now we've changed this into like, I'm just on my hustle. I'm just on my grind. You know, I'm just figuring out ways to make money. You won't, you won't be a rounded person that way. You won't have a culture. What is the word culture? The word culture comes from the same root as the word cult. It's come, it comes from the word like to cultivate. You've got to cultivate the human person. And in order to do that, you have to orient it toward things that you, you want to be cultivated like. So for instance, if a, what a society worships will define that society. If a culture worships money, it's going to become a materialistic culture. We're seeing a lot of that today. If a culture worships sex, it's going to become a licentious culture. If a culture worships God, if a culture worships the good, it's going to be a better, more godly culture. And that's, that's how you've got to orient yourself. 
if, if you want to have this good culture, you know, conservatives used to, w- w- they make this mistake a lot. The left, they're all kind of materialists in a certain, in a certain way, going back at least to Karl Marx. But the right used to care about these things. And then sometime, I don't know, sometime in the eighties, the right decided to trade all that in for like parodies of the Wolf of Wall Street or greed is good or something like that. Pretend that all our lives are just about making money. That's not a conservative point of view. And that's not going to give you a culture. If you say, okay, yeah, we're going to have just constant churning of every traditional institution and just make more money, 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 then what are you conserving? You're not, you're not a conservative at all. The other reason beyond all of that, those are kind of the highfalutin reasons. The other reason why, why Joe's point I, I think is a little misguided here is people need a break. People need to relax sometimes. I'm not saying you don't want to be a loaf. You don't want to be slothful. But sometimes people need a break. They need to relax. Sometimes video games can provide that. They're like a puzzle, right? It's like doing a crossword puzzle or a jigsaw puzzle or something like that. You don't want it to take over your life. And I think that's the point Joe's actually making. But as a, as a little bit of a break, I think they can be perfectly fine. And more importantly, if your life is only oriented toward making money and filling up your bank account, and that's all just for its own sake, for no other reason, that life is no better than the life squandered playing video games all day. There is, there is another option. And that other option is the thing that for the entire history of our civilization has been deemed to be fulfilling and gratifying. And it's the thing that in our now culture smashing society, we seem to have forgotten. Another great diversion. It's one that we all look forward to when spring comes around. Major League Baseball. I love baseball. It's the only sport I like. It's the only sport I would watch, really. I've been a Yankee fan since I was in the womb, pretty much. And now, it's very difficult. The update on baseball is 14 players from the Miami Marlins have just tested positive for COVID. So they canceled the opening day, and they might have to cancel the whole MLB season, not just the Marlins season, but the whole MLB season, which is, you know, I hope the players are all fine. I mean, it's sad that they've got this virus. Uh, in terms of what it means for the season, I don't know that it's the worst thing to cancel this season. It's off on a pretty bad foot. It's First of all, it's very truncated. It's only 60 games, and also all the players are disrespecting the American flag, so I'm kind of done with it anyway. I'm a lifelong Yankee fan, and they are dead to me now. They are dead to me because at that Nats opening game that, uh, last week, the Yankees knelt for the national anthem. Now, Some people say that's not fair because actually the Yankees knelt before the national anthem. They didn't kneel during the night. It was before. So that's cool, right? That's good. We're all good, right? No. In fact, kneeling before the national anthem almost made it worse because not only was it traitorous, not only was it unpatriotic, but it was also disingenuous. It was just them trying to thread that needle of like, hey guys, I'm doing it. So everybody on the woke left should like me, but I'm not doing it like totally in the, it's like a few seconds away. So you guys like me too, right? We're good. We're all good, right? I don't have to pick a side. I, yeah, I hate America and I love America. Hey, it's cool, right? We're cool. We're all good. Play ball. No, there's no middle ground here. There's no meat in the middle between I hate America and I want to burn it down and I want to set the flag on fire and I support my country. There's no middle ground. There's not like, yeah, I sort of hate it, yeah, I'm going to burn half the American flag. I don't think so. I don't think so. What, if they kneel before the national anthem, what is the message? 
First of all, let's start. If they kneeled during the national anthem, what's the message? They used to tell us it was about police brutality. I think we now know that was a complete lie, right? After, you know, after Colin Kaepernick initially said it's about the, you know, he's kneeling at the American flag, but it's not about the American flag. Then he went after the Betsy Ross flag, which is the American Revolution flag, which doesn't seem to have any connection to police brutality. Now they are burning down the entire country and tearing down George Washington. I think it's, I think it's pretty clear at this point. It's not about police brutality. It's about a, an, a central, deep-seated hatred of the United States. That's what kneeling at, at the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, symbol of the whole country, stands for. So what does kneeling before it stand for? Presumably, it's part of the same protest, right? And even if the protest is taken on its own terms, you're kneeling and saying, yeah, this is a hopelessly racist country, and there's a scourge of cops, our law enforcement, who, by the way, are a symbol for the law itself, are, are slaughtering innocent black men willy-nilly, coast to coast. Yeah, terrible country. Uh, yeah, they, man, these guys are awful. And then you stand up for the anthem? What is, the, how are you, you've just contradicted yourself. Because you've, you've granted the whole protest of the anthem, you've granted the premise, but then you stand up for it anyway, because you're spineless. Well, I don't want to see a bunch of spineless people throw a ball around. That's not very, very exciting. Usually people without spines aren't good at throwing baseballs anyway. It's disgusting. It's disgusting stuff. And, you know, people say sports should not be political. Uh, you know, and I, 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 for what that's worth, I agree with that. I, you know, I, I don't watch sports to get a jolt of politics, but in a deeper sense, sports must be political. Sports have always been political. In this very basic way, they've always been patriotic. Going back again to ancient Greece, sports have always been patriotic. And now they're the opposite of patriotic. Now they're traitorous. <laughs> now they're not even, they're not, they're not neutral. They are attacking the symbol of our country. They, need, they should be more political in the sense that we need to get them back to that base level. I don't want to hear about health care policy during a baseball game. I don't want to hear about tax policy. I don't want to hear about any of that nonsense. But I want my sports teams to celebrate my country. If they're not doing that, I'll find another sport. Isn't there, there's some new football league of like ladies. Do you see that? I think it was some... They're just, they're always starting up some new kind of fake football league, but I'll go to that. I don't even, I don't like football and I don't watch women's sports, but I'll watch that. I'll watch, I will be much more likely to watch a sport that doesn't openly disrespect our country. And that's exactly what major league baseball did. And I'm sorry to say even the New York Yankees, and I never would have expected that they would do it. New York Yankees, they, they're such rule followers. They're such sticklers they, that when Steinbrenner was still alive, he wouldn't let players have a beard. Jason Giambi came over to the Yankees. They made him shave his beard. They were like good, clean-cut, all-American boys. And now, and now what? You know, and there's still that old generation of Yankees. Mariano Rivera went over to the White House the other day, threw the ball around with President Trump. There's that. Those are great memories. But that's not what we're dealing with now. It's too bad. They are, they are dead to me, I'm sorry to say. But they could always change it around. They could always turn it around if they wanted to. And I hope they do. I hope they listen to this show and I hope they do turn it around. I was reminded of this when President Trump sat down with another guy well-known for sports, Dave Portnoy, CEO of Barstool Sports, had a sit-down interview with President Trump at the White House. And he asked, yeah, he actually was a pretty good interview. Uh, people were kind of joking. They're like, what's the Barstool Sports guy doing interviewing Trump? He gave a great interview. 
he asked him specifically about the tweets, a question I think a lot of us have wondered. He said, hey, man to man here, do you ever send out a tweet and then regret that you sent out the tweet? Do you ever wish you hadn't done that? Trump's answer, very telling. Do you ever tweet out and be like, wake up, be like, oh man, I wish I didn't send that one out? Often, too often. Yeah. You know, it used to be in the old days before this, you'd write a letter and you'd say, this letter's really bad. You put it on your desk and then you go back tomorrow and you say, oh, I'm glad I didn't send it, right? But we don't do that with Twitter, right? We, we put it out instantaneously, we feel great. And then you start getting phone calls. Did you really say this? I say, what's wrong with that? And you find a lot of things. You know what I find? It's not the tweets, it's the retweets that get you in trouble. You've been caught with retweeting people. Be like, oh, you just retweeted this crazy person. So you don't even look. You just press the retweet. Well, you just you, fire from the hip. You see something that looks good <laughs> and you don't investigate it and you don't look at what's on the helmet exactly, right? Which yeah. is in miniature and you don't blow it up. And sometimes it's, uh, but I, I, I have found almost, almost always, it's the retweets that get you in trouble. A lot of wisdom in that whole answer. It's not the tweets, it's the retweets that get you in trouble. In this culture, it's association. There's guilt by association, which the left used to pretend they didn't like. Remember McCarthyism? They didn't, they, oh, McCarthyism is so terrible because it's guilt by association. Well, now, of course, they inflict guilt on, by association on everybody. If you've ever been seen with anybody who's ever been seen with anybody who's ever been seen with someone wearing a MAGA hat, you could lose your job. And that, that has permeated the culture too. It causes it in a way to become more uh, relentlessly partisan. It, it causes you to lose perspective, even, even in a way that would help your own party when you become so locked in that way. And then, and then the other thing that Trump reminds us of is you can just undo the tweet. You can just delete the tweet. You can change course. And we don't really care about one tweet or that tweet, but we're, we're seeing President Trump change course right now. We're seeing him change course on his campaign, go from weak attacks and what seemed to be a weak strategy to stronger attacks, what seemed to be a stronger strategy. You can do that. I mean, we've got what, a little hundred days to the election, something like that. Anything can change. Anything can change in politics. Anything can change in this life. You can turn it around on a dime. Major League Baseball could turn it around on a dime. Frankly, even these cities under siege could turn it around on a dime. And, and right before this 2020 election, the president could turn it around too. You've just got to be willing to do it. The thing that prevents you from doing that is pride because in this culture, everything's public, everything's online. Private people are giving public apologies, right? P private people are defending their actions and in the public because we all have social media. And you dig in, you, you make something you've said or done a matter of your own identity and you can't divorce it, but you can. You can change your mind. You can turn it around. We can switch up our messaging. We can win new voters. The left is losing the middle. We can take the middle. We can seize the means of production. We can win takes a little bit of humility and a little bit of courage. Both of those are in short supply these days, but if we can get them, we've got a good path in November. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. 
Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Why are capitalist corporate elites taking the side of the essentially Marxist rioters who are tearing Democrat cities apart? Because they both have a common enemy, which is the idea of moral truth. I'll show you what I mean on The Andrew Claven Show. <laughs> 